0: Welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's (laughs) Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts or Stitcher. So, no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Now, just a reminder, the clarity of the recording isn't quite as good as when we do this in the studio, so our apologies there, but the show must go on and we've got a great group of students and a mentor to chat with today. Now, today I would like to introduce you to a group of students who participated in a program called the PhD Community Initiative, which which has been going on for a few years now under the School of Graduate Studies, and so we're very happy to have that program. Now, this initiative groups doctoral students into teams of three to five members, and the students come from different fields of study and actually get to work together. So they're not all from the same program. They, you know, they switch themselves up, which is really nice. We get that complementary knowledge and skills to work with an organization within the Kingston community to work on projects that they need some help with, which is really, really good. It's a great opportunity for our students to work with the community and come out with some additional skill sets and things that maybe they didn't realise they had, but they soon learned that they do from working together and working with our community partners. Now, working also with the city of Kingston because of COVID-19, it was decided in 2020 and 21 that the projects this year would all come from the city because they have a lot of projects each year and we don't always choose all projects each year. It depends on the number of students. And what we feel is really good for our students to, as they say, get their teeth into and and uh, really find out how they can help. So there were four projects chosen um, this year for the twenty twenty one academic year from the city. And today we're going to be speaking with a team united who had one of those projects. And so without further ado, I should introduce you to the team. So first up, one of the most important people to sort of keep our team together on track and everything is mentor extraordinaire, Jane Johnston, who has mentored previously for the program. And whose career experience is in community health care and nursing education. So welcome, Jane. Thank you. And for the students, we've got Emma Bozek, who is a PhD student in education and in her second year. Welcome, Emma. Thanks, Colette. And then we have Nancy Finsaki, who is a PhD student in public health, also in her second year. So welcome, Nancy.
1: Thank you, Colette.
0: And Skyla Kovacs, who is a PhD student in English language and literature, who is in her third year. Welcome, Skylar.
2: Hello. Thank you for having us.
0: You're welcome. And last but not least, Philip Simpson, who is a PhD student in sports psychology and in his second year. So welcome, Philip.
3: Pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Now, you can see why the program is called the PhD Community Initiative. I mean, it's, they're all PhD students and they're going to be working with the community. So before we talk about the project, Emma, Nancy, Skylar, and Philip, can you each quickly advise us of what you're researching? in your PhD for you know for your doctoral degree and why did you want to participate in the PhD community initiative who wants to go first i'm going to go for my screen emma sure okay so
4: i'm joining you from the faculty of education and i would say i was pleased to discover the PhDci for me it, i was most excited about joining the initiative because of the opportunity to collaborate with fellow doctoral students from other faculties so i'll just tell you a little bit about my research i research early childhood Development and education. More specifically, I'm investigating kindergarten children's development of one pro-social behaviors. So those are behaviors like sharing, cooperating, and comforting. And also their anti-social behaviors. So those are their behaviors like aggression, disruptive behavior, and oppositional behavior. And I'm also looking at the ways that educators impact this. So hopefully, I'll have another chance to chat with you about this
3: call.
0: you will because you know I like everyone to come back onto Grad Chat. So thank you for that, Emma, and. For Yeah, so
3: uh, my research in sports psychology is on leadership and followership. So I look at those dynamics in sport teams and I'm currently working, for example, on a scoping review, which aims to collect all the information on uh, followership in other disciplines outside of sports psychology because it's a quite new stream of research in sports specifically. So I'm trying to get those nuggets from other disciplines. But then we're also working as a lab project together on a study looking at gender stereotypes in sports. So are certain studies focused, do they have gender stereotypes, basically, are like certain sports represented for certain genders and so on. So it is many different directions that we go in, but leadership and followership is my my main focus
0: and all very very important as we move forward too um so thank you for that nancy hi so i
1: you said before Clet, i am in the second year of my phd in public health and my research is going to be looking at the relationship between intersecting social determinants of health so things like race or ethnicity gender socioeconomic status so the relationship between those sorts of factors and depression in university students Ah,
0: um, yes, a ready cohort. <laughs> yes,
1: definitely. And as to why I wanted to participate in the PhD Community Initiative, I thought it was a great opportunity to give back to um, the Kingston community and also to engage in research apart from what I have been in- doing for the past, I don't know how long. I find with my research, I'm usually stuck behind a desk a lot or in a lab, but I think participating in this initiative gave me the opportunity to collaborate with a community partner and address a very relevant issue an issue
2: in the community.
0: Which is going to be very important for your work down the track too, isn't it? So yes, it was, a, it was a good match altogether. Skylar.
2: I, as you mentioned, a third year in English literature. I focus mainly on modernist literature by women, but I also am starting to study, as part of my dissertation work, works that seem to carry on some echoes of the modernist project. In that process, I mainly look at uh, representations of trauma and recovery and I consider how modernist authors thought of pathways and obstacles to actually experiencing individual and community resilience. So when it came time to look at the PhD CI (laughs) projects for this year, resilience was one of the words that was actually in the tagline, and it just felt like kismet. I had had a good good chunk of friends who had done the program before as well, and had spoken really highly of it. Like Nancy, I wanted to expand my horizons and do something different in my research and meet some new people and also give back to the community and and also learn about resilience in a more applied real context not just representations of so
0: that's really good I mean it's it's nice to see the differences amongst you all but there's you know already Uh, areas there that cross over so that's fantastic that it was good that you got put together so that was nice because i know sometimes it's very random how they they select so jane why why do you you want to be a mentor again because you you mentioned to me before we got got on the yet that you've been this is probably your third year of being a mentor so what does it mean to for you
5: well i i just really enjoyed it. it it's um i i find i'm retired and uh my my job prior to retiring was teaching in the School of Nursing. I really enjoy, I think, the youth and energy of the students. And especially with no requirement for marking, this is fantastic. <laughs> Mentoring is a very, you know, different role. And I, I love the fact, um, not only working with the students, but making a contribution to the community. Right. Uh, so it, um, and the fall, winter, schedule it just it just fits and so it's really a great opportunity for me and i hope to continue
0: excellent we hope you will continue as well and we'll find out some tidbits about you know what you think about the students after but no (laughs) only kidding (laughs) not to put you on the spot there but (laughs) no of course mum's the word kind of as they say so um so thank you everyone for giving us some background to sort of help the listeners understand what you're all doing and why you're wanting to come together for this project now as I mentioned at the Beginning, the project you worked on is just one of four that the city wished for some assistance on this year. And since the initiative's inception, the city has been instrumental in helping us find community partners that our students can work with. So we're extremely thankful for the city for their support, you know, and and really we can't thank them enough. They've helped us with, like I said, with the projects and also some funding and things like that. So we're very, very lucky there. And when we are allowed to do it in person, they they will help us with our reception at the end you know our capstone event which unfortunately for the last two years we've had to do virtually but on to team united and your project which was called resilient kingston perhaps emma and jane uh, between the two of you you can let us know how this project came to be and why why you're in that one
5: I could go first, uh, so uh, as you as you said, this was a twenty twenty one project season, so our team uh, was created in the fall of twenty twenty, and the way it worked was that each of us had indicated an interest in working with the city of Kingston on the idea of increasing community resilience to support economic recovery so we were we were matched uh, you know according to that common interest. And although coming from different academic perspectives, everyone shared a a strong interest in the social aspects of the pandemic and really the value of hearing people's stories. And so we hope that not only our project participants, but the Kingston community at large would benefit from our study. Turn it over to Emma.
4: Yeah, thanks, Jane. Okay, Mm -hmm. so our team, after a few discussions, we realized that we are motivated by, like Jane said, the social context of the pandemic. How is the Kingston community maintaining community engagement during the pandemic? It was a question we were asking ourselves. And it came to be that we decided to pursue a project in which we could enable three distinct yet related outcomes. First, we were hoping to allow Kingston residents to share and record their stories of experiencing and adapting to daily life during the pandemic. Next, we were facilitating connections between members of the community that may or may not meet under arbitrary circumstances prior to the pandemic. And third, we needed to, in providing the City of Kingston and the Kingston Economic Recovery Team, with relevant, uh, intimate, and useful information from Kingston residents about how residents perceive the topics of and the challenges related to community confidence and involvement.
0: That's great. That's a good one to start with because, I mean, resilience is a perfect word, isn't it? We've all coped very differently through the COVID pandemic. And as a city, I think we've been very lucky that it hasn't been as bad, bad here as in other places around the country, but it still has had a a huge impact on us. So um, this is a perfect topic. Perhaps, Philip, perhaps you can tell us then, because if you're finding stories, you're asking for stories from local residents, you know, who did actually participate in the study? Because you didn't have a lot of time to get participants in, like you would in a normal research project. And, and then, you know, getting those participants, how did that influence or inform your findings? Can you tell us a little bit about that, about the the subset of people that you were talking to?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned time. Obviously, this was the winter and fall semester, so time was limited. Also, this was a project on top of everything that we were doing. So our our own time, our resources were limited in a way. And then we did choose a rather time intensive method, I would say, by conducting focus group interviews and then analyzing those uh, also takes its time. So in that way, we were a little limited um, in as far as how many uh, participants we would have. We did end up recruiting 20 initially. That was our goal of which we, in the end, we got 17 participants in the actual focus interview groups. And uh, I, I say groups because we had four different groups kind of to make it to spread out the uh, responses in the target group, I guess. So we had a group of retired individuals, a group that remained employed throughout the pandemic, a group that experienced job loss during the pandemic, and then post-secondary students, all between three and six participants. And we had certain certain inclusion criteria, but those were rather rather lax so we ended up getting a really good group of individuals that not only gave us good data but also shared between them which was one of our goals as uh, Emma mentioned and again and uh, we we were always aware that this group is not very representative of the Kingston community as a whole but by having those four different groups we tried to at least have some sort of representativeness
0: did did the city help you find those 20 or 17 people or did you put something out into the city, um, into the community? So
3: the, the Kingston Economic Recovery Team, short Kurt, that we mentioned before, they, some of them, some of the members there uh, circulated our emails. But it was, yeah, a lot of own initiative, people that we knew. Um, some of us reach out to other students that we knew. Uh, my roommate participated shout out to Kate if she ever listens to this (laughs)
0: Um,
3: (laughs) yeah so it was a mix of everything
0: do you as researchers I mean I know you said you have a small group but as researchers does that worry you that you had such a small group or did the city realize there's only so much you can do in a short period of time so any sorts of information is helpful
3: I think the second part is the case. Yeah, everyone was very transparent about the limitations that we faced, but just judging from the feedback that we got after everything was done and the report we uh, compiled at the end, it seemed like the, the data we collected was pretty useful. And again, uh, that, that social aspect, because that was really important to us, even though the, the project was initially focused more on economic recovery, we really uh, right. were cohesive in our understanding that part of resilience is also a social aspect, and we really wanted to focus on that. Mm. So I think that was uh, definitely a great achievement that we got with this project.
0: Well, I think you focused on a, a really good area, that social side, because as you said, that's been quite tricky for a lot of people, I mean, particularly those of us who who love to meet people all the time. Like I know myself how difficult it's been in this past year because I love meeting people and there's only so much you can get from looking at a screen of a bunch of people. It's not the same, is it, than in person. Yeah. Plus there's also a lot of other things that uh, are around that. Skyler, um, maybe I can ask you, what were your main findings? And, and I guess from those findings, what is the message you want people to, you know, the public here to know about the project and its implications?
2: So one of our most important and I think noteworthy findings pertain to just how deeply interconnected resilience is with community and uh, being able to feel gratitude and grateful for that community, while also feeling that that community is grateful for your presence as well. So our focus group participants consistently spoke about themselves in relation to other communities, whether at work, at school, or Kingston more broadly, their families as well, their friends. We discovered that for the participants when they feel themselves to be part of a community and when that community also plays a role in facilitating the resilience of its members they also felt more resilient or more capable of being resilient participants also shared their feelings of gratitude for essential workers the KFLNA public health unit and Kieran Moore Dr Kieran Moore I should say for his remarkable leadership and other members of the community particularly when other individuals worked in harmony to mitigate the effects of the pandemic. But one major caveat to this is that participants throughout all of the focus groups also expressed their awareness of just how disproportionate the effects of COVID-19 have been on different members of the Kingston community or members who are perhaps considered to be on the fringe of the Kingston community. So in our report, we suggest that resilient members of resilient communities also seem to develop a heightened awareness of those individuals who aren't included in or taken care of by a particular social body. So perhaps the big message we want to share about this project, one of them really, uh, is to continue keeping communities strong by expressing gratitude for what they can do for their members, particularly during a pandemic, but even when this is all over, over in square scare quotes but while also looking to support those who are socially or economically disadvantaged uh, through forms of outreach that are designed to increase these people's ability to feel like a valued and cared for member of the community. Um, One of our participants actually described the pandemic as a catalyst for change. And another one told us that they hoped that a more resilient Kingston is in their words, a more socially just Kingston. So coming to terms, I think with the gravity of these changes, and the potential they have to show us new ways of being more resilient in the world and in the communities around us, it was really a significant matter for our participants.
0: Uh, well well said there. And it's interesting, you know, I always say to myself when I'm getting a bit tired, I go, Colette, you've got nothing to complain about. I have a full-time job. I've got a roof over my head and three meals a day. So what I'm going through of not being able to see people is nothing compared to what other members of our community may be going through. So, I do appreciate um, you know those comments that you've made there because there are differences, and I think another one too is I remember at the beginning of the the pandemic, where one of my my little Tai Chi class. And, you know, most people, I'm probably one of the youngest members of the Tai Chi class, but I had, you know, retirees ringing me up and saying, Claire, can we go and do the shopping for you? And I'm thinking, I should be asking you, can I go and do the shopping for you? And that's part of that collaboration and looking after each other, right? So I think what was nice is some of those things have been shown, but we can certainly do a lot more as a community. So with that, Nancy, what have you learned about resilience in the the Kingston community?
1: Well, resilience can be connected to our personal social networks, as well as the support that we get from our larger community that that we reside in. So in terms of our social networks, um, developing a strong social network and having the opportunity to connect with friends and family is important to resilience. Our participants specifically discussed their newfound appreciation for their friends and family and community members Mm -hmm. as well as a more purposeful attitude towards developing these relationships for some the pandemic uh, further brought the opportunity to create new connections and friendships while others found it a bit harder because of their more introverted personalities and some of the limitations that unfortunately are around because of safety
0: right right
1: Support from the Kingston community was also important to resilience, as was mentioned earlier by Skylar a little bit. Even though the pandemic has been a hard time for people in different ways, the organization of city-sponsored outdoor activities throughout the pandemic, such as the skating rinks uh, during the winter, the open-air concerts downtown, and the Skeleton Park Arts Festival was a highlight for our participants. The availability of walking or hiking paths, such as... um, Lake Ontario Park Path, Le Moyne Point, and the Little Cat um, Trail were also greatly appreciated amongst our participants. Our participants also discussed how they felt supported by various institutions and programs in Kingston, including um, programs run by Queen's University, the Senior Center, the Kingston Public Markets local churches recreational facilities and institutions as well as specialized programs that were run for individuals and then lastly the transparency of the public health unit was something that our participants really appreciated and right i think i believe contributed to the resilience overall
0: yeah i think it was interesting too like like you talked about some of the partners and things across the community where i think there was a lot better um Collaborations going on during this pandemic, and hopefully, we won't lose that post pandemic. That we can continue working with those collaborations with the city, you know, Queens with the city, St. Lawrence with the city, RMC, etc., Kingston General Health um, Hospital, and all those sort of groups. That we can continue to have those collaborations and to help each other out as a community, Emma. With what you found, what were some of Kingstonian's challenges and adaptations since the onset of the pandemic? And I know you only sort of looked at one sort of a small timeframe in that, but was there anything sort of positive or negative that you found?
4: Yes, yes, absolutely. Call it. So we we quickly realized we well, working on this project that we like lists. So I'm going to give you a give you another list of <laughs> some of those experiences, not only one list, but two. So we realized that that uh, Kingstonians experiences challenges and adaptations within two contexts. So first is the personal context and second is the professional context. So first I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that per- personal context. And within the personal context, uh, there were three general adaptations. So I'm gonna give you another list here. <laughs> so, so one of the first uh, adaptations that we saw in the personal context was that the severity of the pandemic has required that people depend on others in order to be safe. One retired participant noted that, quote, a challenge is that not everybody views the situation the same way. Even with friends, some people think it's safe, while some think it's not safe. And even your own assessment of what's safe changes. Relatedly, many participants identified personal anxieties and concerns that were resonant because of the uncertainty of the pandemic's course in the months to come. And as a result of these challenges, participants noted experiencing more doubt and uncertainty in their lives. For one person, this doubt and uncertainty affected their day-to-day decision-making. They said, quote, I'm suddenly having to reevaluate. Am I making the right choices? Am I doing the right thing? Uh, second... There was an overwhelming sense of uncertainty that also left many people feeling a lack of control over other circumstances with this loss of control many participants discussed the permeating feeling of guilt and shame within their daily lives unfortunately Mm -hmm. social distancing has made it difficult to receive the support they need and a third adaptation within the personal context was that in order to adapt positively to the pandemic many participants found it important to employ self-care strategies to manage the day-to-day experiences. Uh, Additionally, some participants noted this new and increased appreciation for the little things in life, particularly with regard to nature and in the environment. Yeah. One participant shared, quote, the pandemic has shifted my focus to appreciate the beauty of the little things, like the moon rising, a full moon, a sunset. So
0: that's brilliant. I I love that bit
4: yeah isn't that beautiful uh so so now we'll go on to describe the second our second list here so the set of adaptations within the professional context so those are people who either continued their employment or even our students who were professional students throughout the pandemic so first there was this transition to working from home in which there was a loss of routines and schedules that accompanied the transition And this was difficult for some while also empowering for others. Some shared that maintaining a schedule and a routine was important for their day-to-day functioning. Some participants expressed their concerns that opportunities for forging professional connections had been lost due to the pandemic. One participant shared how people need to be, quote, intentional and explicit about connecting while meeting online. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, Others found the loss of previously held held routines and schedules allowed for more flexibility in managing their time. In some professions, the pandemic has provided opportunity for flexibility in managing time during the workday. For instance, if someone had a child. Right. And a second major adaptation within the professional context was that participants who had experienced job loss during the pandemic discussed the unique adaptations they had experienced. One participant, a former business owner, described the difficulty of the decision-making process they'd experienced while faced with the prospect of having to close their business. Quote, It was really, really hard because the decision fell right on my shoulders and ultimately it wasn't even a decision because we were just forced into it. Individuals who had experienced job loss discussed the emotional consequences of this experience. In particular, with one participant sharing that quote, when I lost my job, i sort of felt like I lost the ability to learn to do something new because it was a new job. I felt like I somehow stunted in my own personal growth. Another participant shared that their awareness of the impending job loss overshadowed their final month of work leading to a lack of motivation. Quote, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm bothering. I just didn't feel like doing anything or getting any work done in that last month,
0: right? I can understand all those comments that you made, and like I said, I, I, I've been very lucky. But there are a lot that haven't been in as fortunate position as me. And so, even though we probably know this is going on, to actually have someone voice it for everyone, I think is really, really important uh, to, to help us all go or uh, move forward. Um, And of course, none of us thought that a pandemic would last this long and we're still not out of the woods yet. And this was, you know, you were doing this in the fall term, uh, collecting this information. So things have changed a bit. Jane, maybe I can ask you, um, as a a nurse in, in your career, what did you get from this with these results and things that you were seeing?
5: I think very enlightening to to hear what people had had shared, and I think I think the students felt that way too. They were kind of humbled and felt quite privileged at how honest people were, right. and so I thought that 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 was a, a really good thing, just as far as people adjusting and knowing that they aren't alone and that. If, if that helped even a few people, I think appreciate that and make a few connections and, and gain some perspective. I think that that was a good contribution to people's um, health in the right. situation.
0: Right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, and anyone else want to sort of share what, what did you get for yourself personally from, from the project? Um, and would you, you know, did that help you? get through this pandemic a little bit better or not I go for Emma
4: we met every Monday night as a team and there was one week where we couldn't meet and that was a really weird really weird week and it just was this kind of stunt in our in our some we felt like we were progressing in a and accomplishing something in such a strange year and I feel like it was something that we needed was just this community of each other to support each other regardless of the project we were just We were just a team that was there for each other the entire year and it was something we really needed.
0: That says a lot. That says a lot. Nancy, I see you're you're nodding. (laughs) Yeah, um,
1: I think in addition to everything that Emma said, I think another thing that I got from this whole project was just an understanding, I guess maybe a better understanding that everyone is, people are all going through different things. I think for myself, I often get stuck in this little bubble concerned with like you know my own research or my own family or those things but I think this project really gave me a better awareness that some people are really having it hard during this pandemic and I think as part of a community we need to all have that awareness at least at the very least yeah so that was something that I I also took from this project as well
0: it's time to get to know our neighbors a little bit better isn't it yeah. um, sometimes you can be in a little community that's you know gets together all the time and then you can you can move into a, a totally new area and you you don't say tickety boo to anybody yeah. which is really strange you know other than the odd wave across the across the way um right. skyler do you have anything to add there oh gosh so many things I think
2: um, one thing that was really important for me throughout this whole process and I think it's something we all maybe know instinctively, but then putting it into practice is another story, but people really like to be listened to. Um, and it's that whole like two ears, one mouth for a reason thing and having the opportunity to listen to not only our participants' stories, but also my teammates and Jane, our mentor throughout the year has just been such an incredible source of resilience for me personally. Um, like Emma said, it gave us structure, it gave us purpose. We got to see the progress, even when there were times where it felt like we were stuck in the mud. I mm-hmm. think we all could just take refuge in the fact that we all knew we had this bigger goal in mind. We may not have known exactly what the end result was going to look like, but we knew what we wanted to accomplish, and right. it was just a really amazing team to be part of. And you know, even even though we did this all through screens, um, it really was a sense of purpose and. Like I said, it's just, it's nice to listen to people and be listened to and watch something grow together.
0: Thank you. And Philip, you got the last word. I wish I could
3: just leave it at that. That was perfect last word. <laughs> <laughs> said there. Uh, I do have a small, tiny thought though, just something that uh, caught me by surprise. I think that I wasn't expecting cause I was interviewing the uh, group who kept their jobs So honestly, I didn't really expect too many negative consequences or experiences. Uh, Mind you, also, this was back in March. So it was of last year. Uh, So it was a little earlier in the pandemic, um, only a year in. But I really realized how, uh, for example, colleagues and how work can just be a stable force in someone's life and a source of support as well. So suddenly when, and again, shout out to our uh, participants who were really honest and really revealed uh, really personal things. So one uh, participant uh, shared a really uh, yeah, traumatic event that happened to her, not because of a pandemic, um, but my takeaway from that was how she, there was no, no net of support that, she had in her colleagues because she didn't go to work anymore. She couldn't uh, rely on them anymore in that way. And it's totally different getting support online than it is in person when people just give you a hug or just uh, notice something going by. So yeah, even though they kept their jobs and were in a fortunate position in that regard, there were still other areas that they were suffering from during the pandemic. And that's, I think, important to highlight.
0: Thank you. Well you've all been really honest and I, I really do thank you coming on the show because it's highlighted an unusual year that we've well not just Kingston the whole the world has been in and hopefully this won't happen again but you never know. The, the good thing is we, we are coming out of it which is nice but we mustn't forget what um, how this has impacted different members of our communities along the way and like I said Kingston we're in the most part, pretty fortunate, um, but we mustn't we mustn't think of that that everyone is 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 fortunate within the community. So thank you very much for highlighting the work that you've done. I'm, I'm sure people are really really interested in in finding out more from what you've done, and I'm and I'm sure the city of Kingston is is wrapped to uh, have this information to work with moving forward. And I guess the biggest thing there is for all of us is is to reach out to our neighbours and um, other people within our community that maybe we wouldn't normally get together with, and just ask, "Are you okay?" I think, and I think that would be really nice because um, it is a lovely city, but we need to make it even more welcoming and community oriented so thank you for highlighting that i really do appreciate i know you're all busy with your own work jane again thank you very much for being a mentor and putting again putting more back into our community because that's what it's all about and you've all done a a marvelous job of showing that so thank you very much for coming on today
3: thank you so much
0: thank you thank you colin So with that, everyone, as I usually say, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. So don't forget you can download the show tomorrow on either iTunes, Google Podcasts or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray.